You're listening to How to Succeed in Evil, Crazy Psycho Murder Tree. Chapter 13, The Lynx Pounces. Master Bryce had insisted upon going to the trial. When Cuthbert had suggested that it would be neither meet nor seemly for one of Master Bryce's status to be seen at such a spectacle, he had replied, We must see justice through to the end, no matter where she may lead. Or, or is it whither, whither she may lead? Master Bryce clapped him on the shoulder and smiled. You're right. Cuthbert waited for the other one to drop. A disguise, he said, snapping his fingers as a character in a penny dreadful might. A college boy in a beaver skin coat, perhaps, complete with pennant. No, I can do better. I will surprise you. Bring the car around and prepare to find a man you know, but do not recognize at the front door. Cuthbert went to collect the car, saving his curses until he was out of earshot. As he wheeled the Bentley up the drive, he saw Bryce Warner standing on the stone steps, disguised in a beige jacket, pair of sunglasses, driving hat, and fake mustache. Cuthbert had no idea where Master Warner had procured the mustache, but the flat cap was his. He stifled his outrage at the breach of protocol. Cuthbert was not a thing owned by God. His property was his and inviolate through the same principle which Master Bryce retained his claim to the mansion. When Bryce got into the back of the car, he asked, "'Well, did you recognize me, Cuthbert?' "'Sir, only poor comedians and Groucho Marx impersonators wear such moustaches. "'Other than that, I was quite fooled.' "'Really?' "'Quite.' "'Master Bryce did not take the moustache off immediately, "'so Cuthbert spent the better part of the drive "'thinking of various schemes to separate moustache from mustachioed. "'Halfway to town, he heard the window lower "'and looked up to see Master Bryce tearing the moustache from his face. "'He flung it out the window and said, Damn the mustaches, Cuthbert. Full speed ahead. Indeed, sir, said Cuthbert. But he didn't speed up at all. There was no valet parking to be found at the courtroom, so Cuthbert dropped his master around the corner and suffered the indignities of a public parking deck, not the least of which was being trapped in an elevator with some young people holding homemade signs which read, It's about time the trees fought back. He pushed through the crowd at the front of the courthouse and joined his disguised master in the lobby. The courtroom itself was packed, but Cuthbert managed, through a hefty bribe, to get two people to give up their seats in the front row of the balcony. They settled in to watch the trial, just as the bailiff barked, All rise! As the day wore on, Master Bryce fell asleep on Cuthbert's shoulder. Cuthbert tried to bear this indignity with stoicism, but Master Bryce snored softly and directly into Cuthbert's ear. It tickled. After a few moments of squirming, he abandoned his duty long enough to give Bryce an elbow. He jerked awake with a snort and said, What did I miss? Cuthbert resumed the mantle of his duty and refrained from saying, All of it, sir. Instead, he offered, It's the defense's turn, sir, and the tree has grown a substantial amount since the sunlight hit it. When the bogus broke free of its chains, Cuthbert said, Time to go, sir. Master Bryce exited the courtroom willingly enough, but once out he insisted that he must stop the bogus before he, quote, killed again. That would be a fine thing, sir, but how will you go about doing that? His answer was interrupted by screams and crashes from the courtroom. 
Bryce set his jaw and said, I cannot, but the lynx can. Where is my suit? Cuthbert said nothing. You brought it, didn't you? It's in the car. In fact, Cuthbert had not. In his defense, he said, I didn't think this was going to be a formal affair. But I have to change. I have to swing into action. Thinking on his feet, Cuthbert said, I may have something in the trunk that will be of use. Let's away. The game is a hoof. Cuthbert chased after his master and turned him in the direction of the parking garage. The boot, of course, was empty, but Cuthbert hoped that if he could get Master Bryce to the car, he could manage to get him away from what was undoubtedly about to be the scene of senseless and absurd destruction. They dashed up three flights of stairs to where the Bentley was parked. Cuthbert felt a pinch in his chest, but soldiered on. He faltered at the top and leaned in the doorway as he used the key fob to open the trunk. Master Bryce sprinted to the back of the car like a gazelle. Delusions he may have, thought Cuthbert, but the man was in incredible shape. Cuthbert, where is it? Bryce cried. Cuthbert shuffled over and pretended to be surprised by the empty trunk. Ah, I was mistaken. Come, let us repair to the lynx cave. Just then the side of the courthouse building exploded outward and the bogus burst out onto the lawn. "'Someone must do something!' yelled Bryce, a note of hysteria in his voice. "'Undoubtedly, sir, but you are not the one, and this is not the thing. "'You are unequipped to arms, sir, and we shall rejoin the fray.' "'But I am highly trained.' "'You're highly delusional,' thought Cuthbert. "'On the field below, the bogus swept several police aside with cruel swipes of foliage. "'Sir,' began Cuthbert, placing his hand on Bryce's shoulder." "'No time!' cried Master Bryce, and then he vaulted the concrete wall and threw himself out into space. Cuthbert grabbed for him, but missed. When he summoned the courage to look down, he saw Master Bryce splayed out on the ground, writhing in agony. He was trying to get up, but one of his legs was bent at a decidedly unhealthy angle and gave way when he attempted to put weight on it. Master Bryce screamed in impotence, pain, and rage. Cuthbert said, Yes, sir. I'll bring the car right around. In the distance, the bogus stalked the avenue, making war on police and civilian alike. By the time Cuthbert and the Bentley made it to the ground floor of the parking garage, Master Bryce was unconscious. Cuthbert checked his vitals. Not bad. No bones protruding through the skin, his neck and spine felt intact. Cuthbert left him on the ground while he called the family doctor and arranged for him to meet them at Warner Manor. Then he grabbed his master under the armpits and, as gently as he could, laid him across the supple leather of the Bentley's passenger compartment. When the doors were closed, Cuthbert allowed himself the luxury of saying, Bloody idiot! There was a tremendous crash behind him. The bogus had doubled back on the courthouse. An armored personnel carrier with the word police stenciled across the side as an afterthought rammed into the tree and knocked the tree creature across the lawn. Not twenty feet away, the bogus fell into the side of the parking structure. There was a cracking of branches and limbs rained down from the tree. But it had them to spare. It was twice as large as it was when it left the courtroom. From the ground, the bogus used its branch tendrils to pick up two cars from the structure and throw them at the, quote, police military vehicle. The armored personnel carrier was rocked but stayed on its wheels. Seeing this, the bogus fled around the corner. In the distance, Cuthbert heard a helicopter. For him, the sound was calming. It meant that help was on the way, 
that the mission was almost over. As the authorities pursued the tree creature, Cuthbert honored a strange impulse. He walked to the litter of broken branches on the ground and picked one up. It was unusual. It was like many of the trees he had seen before, yet nothing like any of them. He placed a few short sections of broken branches in the trunk and then drove his unfortunate master home. If you like How to Succeed in Evil, you should support it by becoming a paid subscriber at patrickemaclean.substack.com. And if you do, I mean, for the paltry sum of $5 a month, you get to binge the rest of this story right now. I mean, that's a good deal, right? You not only get to satisfy your need for instant gratification, but you get to do so in a way that lets you feel good about yourself while you're doing it. So if you want to wait a week to get the next episode, that's fine. It'll be here right on schedule. But is it the most evil thing in the world to suggest that in these trying times, you deserve a little happiness? It's actually fairly evil. This is marketing, but you should still subscribe. 